midnight in New York, 7 a.m. in Johannesburg, and 12 noon in Bangkok. Welcome to the Expat Happy Hour. This is Sunday Schneider Bean from SundayBean.com, and I'm a solution-oriented coach and intercultural strategist for individuals and organizations. And I am on a mission to help you adapt and succeed when living abroad and get you through any life transition. If you're a parent... This episode is going to ask you to take a long, hard look in the mirror. Today, we are talking about overindulgence and overindulgence, not in the sense of, oh, you gave your kid too much ice cream one day, overindulgence in the scientific definition. Overindulgence in childhood is defined is overindulging children, is giving them too much of what looks good too soon or too long. It's giving them things or experiences that are not appropriate for their age or interests and talents. It's a process of giving things to children to meet the adult's needs, not the child's. Overindulgence is giving a disproportionate amount of family resources to one or more children in a way that appears to meet the child's needs, but doesn't, so that children actually experience scarcity in the midst of plenty. Overindulgence is doing or having so much of something that it does active harm, or at least prevents a person from developing and deprives that person of achieving his or her full potential. Here's the thing. According to Clark, Dawson, and Bredehoff, and the research that we know, overindulgence is actually a form of child neglect. It hinders children from performing their needed developmental tasks and from learning necessary life lessons. So it is my absolute Pleasure to welcome to Expat Happy, Happy Hour, Dr. David Bredehoft, who is the co-author of the parenting book, How Much is Enough or How Much is Too Much, the more recent version. So Dr. Bredehoff, it is an absolute pleasure to have you today. I'm thrilled to be with you, Sunday. Thank you for inviting me. Well, uh, here I am in my podcast studio and I'm clutching on to the book and I'm reading it. It says, how much is too much raising likable, responsible, respectful children from toddlers to teens in an age of overindulgence on the photo on the cover is a child with about, I don't know, 18 scoops of ice cream on uh, a cone. And I bought this because I had a child in 2008 and as I went from the baby stage into toddler and, and young child, I personally started to grapple with, wait a minute, do my kids have too much? So Dr. Bredehoff, I have been a fan since I've had children and it, I'm really, really honored to have you here. And I just want you to know personally how much of an impact um, your book has had in my life. Thank you. Uh, you're not the only parent out there that has told us that. Uh, we get that routinely. <laughs> 
Well, let me give a little bit of background about who you are and your qualifications. I could probably spend the next 10 minutes talking about his qualifications, but just quickly so you know who you're listening to today. Dr. Bredehoff started out with a BA in psychology and then went on to get a master's of education in educational psychology from the University of Oklahoma and then went on to get a PhD in family social scientists, uh, sciences from my alma mater from the University of Minnesota. Mm -hmm. Dr. Bredehoff holds four academic degrees within the fields of psychology, family social science, educational psychology, and has over 30 years of experience in research, marriage, and family therapy and teaching. He's also a licensed psychologist in the state of Minnesota and from the, Na the National Council of Family Relations. He was named in 2003 Certified Family Life Educator of the year. So we know you're you're now enjoying the fruit of your academic career in retirement and you've mm -hmm. come out <laughs> to mm -hmm. to continue to share your knowledge and that is just a testament of your commitment to this. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> Can I be really honest with you? Mhm. Mm um, when you agreed to come on the podcast, I was pr honestly, <laughs> I was kind of terrified to have you on the show. Oh, really? Why? Because I, you know, I've read the book mm -hmm. and there's parts I'm working really hard as a parent mm -hmm. and I think my kids are, you know, good kids. And I know there's parts that we're still not doing enough to mm -hmm. stop over nurturing or over, over indulgence. So I was mm -hmm. actually like, oh. <gasps> He's going to come on and say things that I know I totally need to start implementing into my parenting mm -hmm. approach. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, you know, this whole business of parenting is a challenge, and I think even more so today than ever before, mm -hmm. uh, especially with all the other technological advances we've made since when I was a kid. Um, so you're struggling uh, right along with most parents out there today. Yeah. And uh, it, it's a testament to you because it sounds like you, it all starts with a good heart. You want the best for your kids. Yeah. Yeah, yeah totally. And I'm looking for resources, right? And mm -hmm. that's where, where I came to you. So tell us more a little bit about how you came to study overindulgence. Well, um, it started a long time ago when I uh, was doing my, uh, planning to do my dissertation. Uh, I was interested in parenting. And I went to a conference, a National Council on Family Relations Conference in St. Paul, Minnesota, their annual meeting. And I went to a session where Jean Ilsley Clark, my lead author of this book, was presenting about uh, her first book and best probably selling book called Self-Esteem, A Family Affair. And she had developed a parenting course out of that material. And afterwards, uh, I went up to her and said, you know, Jean, uh, my name is Dave Bredehoff. I'm a, a graduate student at the University of Minnesota, and I'd like to do research on your parenting class. And she gave me a big hug, and she said, I finally have found you. And we <sighs> talked, and she was thrilled that I was going to do my dissertation on her parenting class. But then I sort of told her, I said, Jean, you know... Uh, this is research, uh, I might find out that it doesn't work. And she mm -hmm. gave me a big hug and she says, you know, we need to know that too. I'm open to wow. everything. And so I did my dissertation on that course and found out, yes, indeed, it really did work. And that really started this journey with her in terms of research. 
Then a couple years after that, she gives me a phone call and she says, Dave, uh, you know, I do all these speaking engagements and people come up to me and they're all talking about what we're calling overindulgence of kids and what it does to them. And they're even saying that they were overindulged as kids and you really mm -hmm. have to do something about that. And uh, so then she said, well, let's do a research study on it. So that started the journey, the first of 10 different studies that we did. Um, well, and that's what um, I love about your book is because I'm, I'm a nerdy academic at heart. Mm -hmm. And um, I love that it's all scientifically validated. Yeah. And it's a huge wake up call. And when I was reading the book, I, my intention was to learn about strategies to employ or to avoid. Mm -hmm. And what I also discovered as a surprise was that there were elements of overindulgence. I would probably count it under over nurturing mm -hmm. from my, my childhood. And, mm -hmm. you know, I thought my, you know, I was raised like by seventies parents, you know, mm -hmm. where I wasn't expecting that at all. So here's what I think is happening with some of the listeners. Some of the listeners are like, you know what? I don't overindulge my kids. Okay. Mm -hmm. And what we, what I know from reading the book, there probably are signs of overindulgence that we're missing. Mm -hmm. So how can we as parents tell if we're in overindulging our kids? I think what we, when, if we're going to admit it, we would have like the screaming brat who's mm -hmm. demanding, you know, more ice cream for breakfast, right? That's mm -hmm. when we're like, okay, yeah, overindulge. So there's so many other ways of over in signs of overindulge and overindulging parenting or overindulge kids that count that we deny Mm -hmm. So can you tell us just a few signs sure. from our children or from our parenting approach? So sure. it kind of helps us wake up. <laughs> okay. Well, first of all, let me set the stage of, uh, in our research, starting from the very first study, and then we validated it in uh, uh, later studies, we found out that there were three different types of overindulgence that parents engage in. Um, the first one is what we labeled just simply too much, too much of almost anything, giving them too many sports, uh, giving them too much ice cream, giving them too many activities, too much of just anything, too much attention. Uh, the mm -hmm. Most parents get that. When I, uh, like for instance, uh, flying over here, uh, uh, when I came over, you know, the person next to me asked me, what do I do and what do I did? And, you know, in, in life, and I told them, and, oh, and I, I said, I research overindulgence with kids. And uh, they said, oh, I know what that is, you know. And, but mm -hmm. they know about too much. But what they usually mm -hmm. don't know about is the second type, what we call over-nurture, where yeah. parents are doing too much for their kids that they should be doing for themselves. And uh, uh, sometimes referred to as not quite the same, but... A helicopter parenting, it's hovering, it's taking too much control, uh, over parenting, sometimes it's referred to, but we call it over nurture. I'm going to repeat that mm -hmm. over nurturing is doing too much for your kids that they should be doing for themselves. Yeah. And I'll give you a really small example, what, what how I identified over nurturing um, in, and I'm not calling out my parents. My parents are amazing. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I was really not a, this is not the point. Mm -hmm. um, I, something I did that brought into my adult life is I would, my husband noticed, we'd been married for years. 
I would leave cups all over the house. Mm-hmm. It would drive him crazy. He's Swiss. He likes order. He wants everything to be put <laughs> away. And he, I, I didn't even realize I was doing it. He's like, Sunday, you're leaving cups everywhere. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of like our, our cup fight. And um, I realized, you know what? I've probably didn't, been doing that my whole life. My mom just came behind me and picked up after me because she's mm-hmm. three kids, stay-at-home mom, working her tail off. Mm-hmm. And it was easier to just mm-hmm. pick up the damn cup mm-hmm. than to make me do it myself, right? I get it. I get the mm-hmm. exhausted yeah. parents. So that's the example. It's so simple. It's not like letting your kids you know, listen to eight or watch eight hours of you know movies or iPad. Mm-hmm. It's it's mm-hmm. taking their cups. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Right. Or it Over is also chores. not having uh, uh, having them do chores, uh, mm-hmm. engage in those kinds of things too. And, not and, doing chores. Okay. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to come back to that in the okay. expat context. But I want to hear the third one. The third one is what we call soft structure. Um, mm-hmm. It's not having rules. Or if you do have rules, it's not enforcing the rules and that sort of thing. Um, Mm -hmm. And what we found in all of these things, especially in the first study, I thought this was interesting, that we had 720 adults in that study. And those that were overindulged as children reported of these three types of overindulgence, the one that they were both happy and really mad as hell about was overnurture. They were happy that their parents did all those things for them when they did it back when, but they were really mad at them then as an adult because it robbed them of skills, valuable skills that they didn't know how to do anything. Right. That's why I had the cup fight. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Uh, Her husband has to to clean up, clean up Uh my mess. Uh (laughs) Um, So let me just reiterate over too much. We get too much, too much tech, too much sports, too much time or too much time and engage in other activities over nurture. We do things that it's robbing Mm. our kids of developing to do it themselves and soft structure not having rules or not enforcing them. Oh my gosh, that one. Think about all the tired parents who haven't seen their kids all day. And it's like, I said, if you hit your brother, you have no iPad, but now Mm -hmm. it's going to cause a huge fight. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I have so much empathy for parents for going to these strategies, right? Yeah. Yeah. But the real challenge then is think of development of a child and not just any uh, human is kind of like uh, you're on a plateau and you work really hard to get things right. you got it in shape and things are moving right along. And then all of a sudden they advance in development. Now the game changes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They're working on a whole set of different skills and developmental goals. And now you got to change everything. And readjust. Just right when you get it right. Right, mm-hmm. right when yeah. you feel like you're getting good at it. Yeah. Yeah. And then you hopefully get it right again. And then uh, not too long after that, it changes again. So right. it's, it's fun, though. It keeps you on your toes. <laughs> <laughs> when, when I was pregnant, I got the best piece of advice. And it was um, having children, it'll ruin your life. And it's the best thing that ever happened to you. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. <laughs> 
So I'm just, I'm really going to stand as an empathetic parent here who understands mm-hmm. how easy it is to do too much, to over nurture and to have the soft structure. I get mm-hmm. that. I really mm-hmm. get it. But tell us, why is this so bad? Like, why should we stop going to the easier ones when we're tired and overwhelmed? Why is it worth changing our strategies? What, what if we don't? Okay. <clears throat> well, the list is pretty long. <laughs> and first of all, I would also like to say that my goal is not to guilt parents because that really doesn't help. My goal really is to educate parents and then help them make you know, wise decisions. What we found in all of our studies, a whole laundry list, and I won't lay them all out, but I'll give you some of the important ones of what happens if you do overindulge. And again, think of overindulgence on a continuum. Every parent overindulges sometimes, okay? Mm -hmm. Way down on one end. But then the continuum continues over to some parents indulge almost all of the time Mm -hmm. or somewhere in between. So Mm -hmm. keeping that in mind, uh, adults who are overindulged as children report feelings of being unloved. Uh, needing constant outside affirmation. They said uh, they had a lack of skills. Uh, They didn't know how to take care of themselves. They reported being uh, self-indulgent as adults, uh, resulting in things like gaining weight or feeling guilty or lower self-esteem, poor health, even lonely. Um, They really didn't have a concept of what is enough. Wow. Um, and I have to just tell you right now, I, I basically have tears in my eyes and my mm-hmm. arm hair is standing up because Uh-oh. what you've just listed is the opposite of what every parent is mm-hmm. trying to achieve. Mm-hmm. They want their kids to be loved. They want mm-hmm. them to have feel confident about themselves. They want them to be skilled. And it's the opposite. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just that They've gone overboard in many ways. Uh, yeah. You need to bring it back kind of into the middle somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, they also, uh, in addition to having money management problems and uh, even relationship problems with the people that they, uh, they picked to be with, uh, we found out in one study that we did that uh, um, adolescents and young adults, college-age adults, those that were overindulged as children, what their goal in life was wealth, fame, and image. They wanted to make the most money, they wanted to be famous, and they wanted to be attractive and stylish. And you ask, well, what's wrong with that? Isn't, aren't those some of the goals that we want for our, our kids? Well, yes, but when those become the most important things, what suffers is the ones who weren't overindulged, they wanted uh, to uh, um, help people. They wanted to make the world a better place, uh, and they 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 had quite different different goals. Right, it's just it's amazing. I'm just kind of shaking my head here at the at the implications of mm-hmm. of these easy to go to, you know, starting innocently strategies. And as you said, it's all in a continuum. And and I think mm-hmm. what we do as parents is we, we put the really bad parent, you know, who's really far on the end of the continuum, mm-hmm. who's super overindulging their kids. We put them as 
as those people. Mm -hmm. And we don't look at where we are on the continuum and ask, you know, mm -hmm. what kind of impact is this having? Yeah. So, so here's the thing that I, why I invited you to the podcast mm -hmm. for the expat audience is that, you know, people, people who are expats, they live outside of their home country. Mm -hmm. Some of those people are living with, uh, because they're not in their home country, they're in a different cultural context where rules are different, mm -hmm. right? You might, in overindulgence might be a cultural practice, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, where you are, if you have, I mean, I've seen it with um, certain gender practices, you know, based on your gender, they might overindulge in certain things versus others. I've mm -hmm. also seen in rotational expat life, if you're living in, a, let's say, a developing area, you know, when we were in West Africa, we were expected to be a good patron, like you should hire people to be in your home to help you because you're giving jobs. Mm -hmm. And if you don't hire people to help you, you're, you're seen as a, a bad, you know, uh -huh. uh -huh. like, it's not good. Like if you mm -hmm. have, if you are able to employ people, you should. And mm -hmm. so, so you, or you're both working parents and you can afford to have a full-time uh, nanny. So you do that. And, and so you're in situations where maybe if you were in your domestic context, you couldn't afford extra help. Mm -hmm. And now you have help or you have help from cultural um, with cultural differences that might actually make it hard to avoid overindulgence. So it, this is the this is the thing, you know, wow. also with rotational yeah. expats, we're, we're flying home across the world to see our family and just getting on a long, you know, long haul flight is a, a total privilege. Mm -hmm. But it's normal for many people who who are working in a rotational um you know, experience who work for embassies or for corporations. Mm -hmm. So I feel like we really need to think about this topic because our, the structure of our lives also invites more overindulgence, especially when we go um, to see grandparents mm -hmm. and they haven't seen them, you know, for a year. Mm -hmm. So there's a couple of things I guess I would like to walk away with. One if we find ourselves on the continuum of overindulgence and we're saying, okay, I understand it's important. What are one or two things I can start doing or stop doing that will make a positive impact? Where do we start? Well, uh, the first thing that I would suggest is you need to uh, um, just acknowledge that overindulgence is going on. Uh, mm -hmm. so become aware of the whole topic, which, which you're trying to inform your, your, uh, listeners, which I salute wholeheartedly. Um, a second thing that you can do is what we, we give a number of skills in the book, uh, not skills, I would, tools, I would say. And mm -hmm. one of the tools that we offer, uh, parents is called the test of four. Mm -hmm. um, I love this one. Yeah. And uh, it's grounded in our research. And uh, you ask four questions. And if you get a yes answer to one or more, what you're doing is probably overindulgence. So think of one issue, or I sometimes just refer to them as a rub with your child that continually comes up. And then ask yourself these four questions. The first one has to do with developmental tasks. And okay. it goes like this. Will doing or giving this to my child prevent him or her 
from learning what he or she should be learning at this age? Will it prevent my child from reaching a developmental goal or task? And mm -hmm. if the answer is yes, it probably is overindulgence. Yep. The Pick up your cup, Sunday. Yeah, yeah exactly, <laughs> exactly. Uh, if the second question has to do with family resources, and by family resources, we really mean a broad array of things, not just money. Uh, mm -hmm. It can be time, it could be attention, it could be energy, it could be almost anything. But mm -hmm. does it use a disproportionate amount of family resources to meet the wants not the needs of one or more of our children. And right. So it's we, like if a if your weekend is dominated by all kinds of kid activities mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. you don't get your needs met for quiet, let's say. Exactly. Then exactly. that's a sign of yeah. too many family resources. Yeah. And if it, it, it and we're looking at for patterns. If it happens just once, one weekend, that's that's not a really an issue. But if it continually happens over any number of weekends or it becomes a pattern, then, then it, it, it's an issue. Okay. The third question has to do with whose needs, whose needs are being met in this situation. Mm -hmm. Does it benefit the adult, the parent more than the child? Mm -hmm. So for instance, it was just easier for your mom. And a lot of times we do things for our kids because it's just easier. Uh, I can do it yeah. better. I can do it faster. I avoid a hassle, a fight, or whatever. I just right. do it. So it's really yeah. for me more than it is for my child. Um, mm -hmm. So whose needs? And if it's and that's where I really see the connection with soft structure, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you have yes. a rule, yes. you know, you're not going to be able to do X, Y, or Z, and then mm -hmm. you're really tired, and you're like, okay, mm -hmm. fine, go yeah. do iPad yeah. or whatever it is. Yeah. <clears throat> yes. And then the last question is, has to do with possible harm. Does mm -hmm. it hurt others? Does it harm the community? Or does it damage the planet in some way? And mm -hmm. one of my favorite stories uh, about this question is uh, actually my wife and I are avid uh, bird watchers. And uh, uh, I sometimes uh, tell my friends, you know, it's an addiction but there are far worse addictions than bird watching. <laughs> uh, and a few years ago, uh, we took a trip with uh, one of my colleagues that was leading a birding trip to uh, East Africa, to uh, Kenya. Mm -hmm. And there were five vans. There were about, I don't know, five, six of us bird watchers in each van, along with a guide and a driver. And we stopped along the road and we were all get out and we're looking through our binoculars at a bird on the line. And it was actually a bishop bird. I remember the name of the bird. Not too bad a bird. And this little girl comes out of a mud hut, and she walks towards us down to a gully by the road there. She's carrying two five-gallon buckets with her. She says, well, hi, where are you guys from? We said, Minnesota. She says, where's that? United States. Well, what are you doing here? We're looking at birds. She, she just couldn't get over that. You know, we came all that way to look at birds. And uh, uh, then we asked her, well, what are you doing? She said, well, I'm gathering my family's drinking water for the day. Mm -hmm. And we said, well, where are you getting that? And she said, right here. And there was a red mud puddle right in front of us. And she scooped up two five gallons of uh, red water. And we said, well, 
do you really drink that? She says, yeah, we just pour it out, let it settle out. And it's not too bad. Now, fast forward, one of the stories that we tell in the book, and it's all the stories we tell are true, and we did get permission to do them, mm -hmm. but we didn't tell who they were, Yeah, uh, say who they were. But one of the stories is there's um, a man in Minnesota who runs a, one of the Fortune 500 companies, travels around the world all the time. When he goes to a, a foreign country, even a developing country, gets out his suitcase, takes his suits out, goes into the bathroom, hangs them up, turns the hot water on, full blast, lets it run for a couple hours while, he, while he's out for dinner, comes back, his suits are all steam pressed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Then I go back to that little girl with the five-gallon buckets of dirty water. Yeah. Does that do harm? You betcha it does. Mm -hmm. uh, and so sometimes we need to look at the bigger picture. Sometimes the harm is the individual, my child, is harmed by it. Sometimes the community or friends are harmed by it. Sometimes the planet's harmed by it. Well, that's interesting. So it's like when you think about it from a parenting perspective, maybe that's what his dad did when he came yeah. home from work and he taught him yeah. how to do that. And Yeah. Right. Wow, this is so powerful. So I feel like when I hear this, I feel empowered when I have mm -hmm. the test, right? I, mm -hmm. I could, I can name, you know, two or three pretty easily of when, where as a parent, I could up level, mm -hmm. you know, how I'm parenting with my kids because of these four questions. Mm -hmm. But then the question is like, so then what do we do? Like we know, you know, it's mm -hmm. in, you know, one of these four questions, we know the pattern, but mm -hmm. now what? Because okay. <laughs> we've got a battle ahead of us, don't we? Oh, Yeah. Here's here's kind of a formula that I use uh, both in counseling, but as well as coaching other individuals, and it's just basically some common sense for parents. The when you see that you need to make a change, there are a number of steps you can take. The first one I already mentioned: awareness of the problem. Mm -hmm. The second one is get on the same page with your spouse or partner. Oh, that's a big one, especially when you they're know, in binational relationships and exactly, different cultures, right? Exactly. But you need to get on the same page. Come to mm -hmm. some middle ground or, you know, or not even middle ground. Figure out, tell them why this is not so good and, and make your case. But get on the same page with your spouse mm -hmm. or partner. The third thing you need to do is work on one issue at a time. Mm -hmm. You know, when I was doing counseling, I often did a lot of counseling with parents that had adolescents that were, you know, kind of bouncing off the walls. And they'd bring that adolescent in maybe 13, 14 years. And they'd say, Dr. B, you know, we need you to fix my kid. And <laughs> they wanted me to fix their kid in, uh, you know, one or two 50 minute sessions. <laughs> well, uh, they, I, I made it clear to them, well, it took you 13 or 14 years to get to here. We're not going to do it in two or three 50 minute sessions. So mm -hmm. the way you do it is you work on one problem at a time. So identify an issue uh, in where, in which you're consistently overindulging your child mm -hmm. and uh, say, we're going to work on that. Then yeah. the fourth thing you do is let your child know. Yeah. Okay. In a caring but firm way, uh, let your child know that, okay, this is a problem for me between us and you or me and you. 
and things are going to change. And this mm -hmm. is what the plan is, the new plan is. Mm -hmm. And then the sixth thing is, and this is a hard one too, consistently follow the plan. Mm -hmm. The more consistent you are, the higher batting average you'll have. Yeah, and right. the better things will be. Yeah, and the seventh good. seventh thing that you do is take stock of how the plan's working after you initiate the plan. Maybe not the first time or the second time, maybe the fifth or sixth time, but take stock uh, of how the plan's going and make course corrections. Tweak the plan yeah. if you need to. It just makes common sense, you know? Yeah, this makes me feel great because I, this is, we just had a situation in my family where mm -hmm. I actually did a podcast about it where I said I went from a military sergeant to Mary Poppins, where mm -hmm. I just told my kids, like, I am no longer available to be your drill sergeant in the morning. Like, mm -hmm. you've done this for years. You know what we need to do, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and <clears throat> I went up into their room one night. I just said, I'm done. Like, you guys know what you're doing. And um, we did. We we changed it. And what I noticed is um, when I was slipping back, like, if they were oh. – do you know what I mean? Like I was the one who was slipping back. I was the one who'd be like, go brush your teeth, go brush your teeth. You know, instead of saying, Hey, the timer is going to go off in three mm -hmm. minutes. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? So I yeah. love that, that this is, and then make course corrections. Yeah. So yeah. I'm just going to recap that awareness okay. of the problem, mm -hmm. get on the same page as the spouse, work on one issue at a time. Mm hmm let your child know in a caring and firm way that this is a problem and you're going to make a new plan. And then I'm guessing that five is make the plan. Mm -hmm. And then six is consistently follow the plan. And mm -hmm. seven is take stock mm -hmm. of how it's going and make course correction. Mm -hmm. And there's three more. Oh, oh good. Eight, <laughs> eight is celebrate your success. I okay. think it's just really important that when you have a success that you celebrate, pat yourself yeah. on the back. Nine is forgive yourself for past parenting failures. We're mm. all human. We all make mistakes. Don't beat yourself over the head for those past mistakes. Forgive yourself. Move on to the new stuff. And 10, last one is repeat step number one with a new issue. Right. I love that. Mm -hmm. That's great. You and I are totally on the same page about celebrating oh, your successes. I think that's important. Yeah. You know what? But what you mentioned is is one that I know that um, I can ignore. And I know a lot of my my friends and peers could ignore about really forgiving yourself mm -hmm. that it's like, oh, why didn't I start this sooner? That it's mm -hmm. so easy to go to that place. Mm hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. If I had done that, yeah. that's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is wonderful. I'm going to make sure that our listeners have those 10 steps. It's Excellent. going to be in the transcription so they can follow that. Um, I think the challenge from an expat community or people who are living abroad is if you're in a binational relationship, they're going to have to spend extra time on getting on the same page as their spouse yeah. if they're from different cultures. Mm -hmm. um, and this leads me to my next question. So, mm -hmm. What if we're parenting in a context where others are involved, like our nannies or grandparents, where they might they might be in a default of actually overindulging kids because they see it as a sign of love? What are we going to do mm -hmm. about others who overindulge our kids? Oh, that one is a thorny issue. 
<laughs> in in many ways. Uh, you know, the I say this tongue in cheek, but uh, you might say, uh, get a copy of our book and uh, <laughs> say, I talked with the psychologist. I don't know. He might be full of beans, but why don't you take a look at this and, and tell me what you think? Uh, right. That's something rather than say you need this. Um, right. But uh, uh, it is tough. Tell them, I think that the best thing that you can do is tell them in an honest, caring way that I'm really worried about uh, childhood overindulgence. And we live in a world uh, where that is basically the default. Every mm -hmm. message around us is saying, indulge, indulge, indulge. And I know from the research that if we keep doing those kinds of things, that some bad things will happen to our kids when, as they grow up and later on as adults. Mm -hmm. And so we're doing this from a caring point of view. And then offer uh, grandparents and even uh, nannies and other people that are involved with your kids, offer them some uh, alternatives. Mm -hmm. uh, in the, the new edition of the book, How Much is Too Much, we wrote uh, four additional chapters about grandparents because that mm -hmm. kept coming up. So there's lots of information in there, but I'll, I'll um, highlight a couple of things by offering them some alternatives. For instance, they can teach, as opposed to just giving them more money or more toys or more things, they can teach your child uh, special skills. Maybe it's mm -hmm. a, a chess or gardening or sewing or skiing or computer skills or how to change the oil. Or maybe your child can teach the grandparent computer skills, you know, because it works both ways. And that, that would be a plus. Um, uh, another thing that grandparents, particularly the ones that live far away, can do uh, they could keep weekly contact. One contact, one a Jean and and Connie and my good friends. Her name is Carol Gesme. She wrote a book uh, titled "While We're Apart," uh, mm. and uh, gives all kinds of activities that uh, grandparents who are separated can uh, do with their grandkids via Skype or FaceTime or whatever. Um, they can do something that the child would like to do. Mm -hmm. uh, they can, you know, board games, puzzles. They can contribute money, not just money, but maybe pay for uh, transportation for lessons or guitar photography, something that's important uh, to developing skills for the child. Well, that's wonderful. I, yeah. What I'm already hearing is that, you know, they just want to treat their kids so easy as ice cream or yeah. whatever. But yeah. you're saying there are other ways to treat your kid, yes. the kids. Yeah. You know what's so interesting? We just went on a weekend um, mm -hmm. to a friend's cabin and it was, we said, no iPads, no tech. We're mm -hmm. just going to go and enjoy. Okay. And mm -hmm. Um, we, we barbecued, we went on a tube and there was, there were trees in the back and my mm -hmm. boys were, you know, they're playing with sticks and stuff. And mm -hmm. on the drive back, I said, what was your favorite part of the weekend? And my oldest said the forest and my youngest said the sticks. 
Isn't that, isn't that great? Some of the simplest <laughs> things, you know? Right. They didn't say it was good, but we didn't have our iPads yeah, or, right. you know, the tube. It was the, the nature was mm -hmm. what mm -hmm. they, they enjoyed the most. And mm -hmm. if we had brought the, and by the way, that weekend was amazing. The car ride was calm. Mm -hmm. The entire weekend was unproblematic. There were a variety of kids there. And um, I'm, I guarantee you, if we had had iPads with us, it would have changed the energy, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So learning skills. So I'm going to shamelessly plug your book because I believe in it so much. I was saying before the podcast started that all I really want you to do is to read out the entire book to my audience. <laughs> but instead of that, I really, um, this book is so important and so easy to read and grounded in, in research. I just feel like if any parent is listening and has a hunch they might be on the scale on one of these categories that's just potentially could have an impact on their kids down the road. It's totally worth it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I can't, I can't recommend it enough. Any last words that you have, you and I could be, or I could, I could try to keep you on the podcast mm -hmm. for, for hours. Um, but any other things that you think that we need to know um, about doing our best to raise likable, responsible, respectful children? Well, um, I just, you know, be yourself, be open to learning new and different things. Try to be as honest with yourself about your parenting and parenting skills. Recognizes, recognizing that not everything your parents did with you worked, but same way, not everything that you're doing is working either. And that there's a lot to learn, but you're willing to do it. And yeah. uh, um, one last thing I'd like to, uh, one more story about grandparents. Um, I was fortunate enough to have my dad's parents uh, live with us the last six years of their life. And uh, I know it was stressful for mom because she had three boys, uh, young boys, relatively young boys, and then grandpa and grandma, and then my dad to take care of too. And uh, uh, I remember one of the best things my grandparents did, and they didn't have much money. Um, every day after school, we'd walk home from school, and there was grandpa on the porch. He was smoking his pipe. He was uh, uh, came and started living us with us at 83, and he died at 89, so those six years. And he would say, sit down and tell me how your day was and uh, tell me a good story, and we would tell him what went on at school. And he, and he was a storyteller. And then he would tell us stories. Now looking back, I think a lot of them were, were fiction, but they were wonderful <laughs> stories. And when he, you make it to 83, you're allowed, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, but you know what? The, I, can, I don't even remember any gifts that they, they gave us. Mm -hmm. But the biggest gift that both of them gave us was of themselves and their, their stories. So yeah. please do that. And even mm -hmm. parents, share yeah. your stories too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's about, you know, just looking in preparation um, for this and some other things I'm working on around global parenting. I was 
listening to something on YouTube about the importance of being just simply being present with your kids, especially in the mm-hmm. first three years of life mm-hmm. and how mm-hmm. that is, is the most nurturing gift we can give our kids. And in our crazy busy lives, it can feel mm-hmm. like the hardest thing to give. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, Oh my gosh, I'm just overwhelmed by so many things that you shared that were wonderful. And I I really hope to anybody who's listening that you go to the transcript and look at his advice and then check out the book, How Much is Too Much? Because there's so much gold there. Where can people find you? I know that you're retired, um, Mm -hmm. so you're doing this out of service. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Where can they go if they want to learn more or if they want to find your book? Well, first of all, they can go to... uh, www.overindulgence.org, O-R-G. Mm-hmm. That's our, our web page, and there's lots of helpful information there and connections. The second thing they can do is I write a, a Psychology Today blog called mm-hmm. The Age uh, of Overindulgence. And so uh, I'm posting there about once a month, and that would be helpful information. And they can, uh, if they have an RSS feed, they can click on that. And then uh, when one pops up, it'll send it to their email. That's Uh, a great, I've been on that and I've read your stuff. It's so timely. The stuff that you're writing is really timely. I'm really glad that you're finding it helpful. Uh, the, The next thing that they can do is, the University of Minnesota uh, has worked, we've worked with them, the extension department, and we've put on four uh, free online courses that they can take. They're about an hour a piece, uh, and they can go to, if you just go to University of Minnesota Extension uh, Overindulgence, search for that. Mm-hmm. Our uh, courses will pop up, and there's even a, a new book, a uh, little book, a booklet that Gene has written uh, that they can download for free there too. Oh, fantastic! So, I'll, I'll so make there's sure lots the of resources, notes. lots of resources for them out there. Wonderful. I'm going to make sure that's in the show notes so you can go there and click and get directly there. So I'll take care of that so our audience um, has access to that right away. I just want to say thank you so much for taking time out of your evening. It is evening in Hawaii. It is morning in in, uh, South Africa. Um, I know that what you shared today is going to impact the lives of parents and children. So deep down in my heart. Yeah, I just want to say thank you so much Mm -hmm. um, for being here. And we look forward um, to reading what you have next on Psychology Today as well. So there you have it. This was such an honor for me to have Dr. Britta Hoft here on the show. And as you can see, uh, it's very clear why I invited him because the it's important, right? The, the impact of overindulgence that is hiding from us is there. And thanks to their research, we know it's worth paying attention to. I hope that you walked away with clarity on the fact that overindulgence isn't just about the families who give too much ice cream. It's about offering anything of too much of your time, sports or tech, over nurturing and robbing your kids of developing the skills that they're ready to make next. And maybe even about the soft structure that we allow in our lives when we're just too tired to enforce the rules, 
right? I, there, you'll walk away with the 10 steps that were given on what you can do as an aligned couple, or if you are a single parent, what you can do next, and also some ideas how you can share that with grandparents to do lots of loving and less overindulging. So thank you for listening to Expat Happy Hour. This is Sunday Bean. I'll leave you with the words of award-winning author, feminist, and social justice activist, L.R. Knast. She's also the founder and director of Children Rights Advocacy and a family consulting group. She says, instead of raising children who turn out okay, despite their childhood, let's raise children who turn out extraordinary because of their childhood. 